You're listening to CFRC 1019 FM here in Kingston, and welcome to Screening in Kingston. And I think it's gonna be a long, long time. Touchdown brings me round again to find. I'm not the man they think I am at home. Oh, no, no, no. I'm a rocket man. Rocket man. What's your favorite Elton John song? Um, You're not really a music buff, so this no. I should have asked. Should have <laughs> let you prepared. For putting me on the spot with that. Um, you just saw his best ofs in the movie. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, I mean, I think Rockman's really good. Um, it's a banger. But I think, for me, I knew him more through, like the the musical theater that he did. Right. Um, Cause he, I mean, he wrote for a lot of movies, but then a lot of musicals as well. So I think a lot of the songs that I best know him from are, are those, but yeah, I, again, I, I just don't know names of the songs. There's lots of great tunes that I recognized in that movie, but yeah, I, I can't name one necessarily. Um, but there were some really good, like there, during that movie, there were a couple that are like, Oh, I remember this song. Like this is, I've heard this first before. The correct answer is tiny dancer. Yeah, but. that's good. That's good. <laughs> Tiny Dancer's good. That's my favorite. Um, the Saturday night party one's pretty good, too. Oh, my gosh. How they used it in the movie was phenomenal, in my opinion. We'll get into we'll it. We'll get into but, it. <laughs> there's, um, a lot, there's a lot to talk about in that. But well, yeah. You're we'll, going to have feelings, I'm sure. About this movie? Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, you are kind of not... You don't always love musicals on... On film. On film. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I definitely have a lot to say. Um, but before we get there... We have a ton of fans questions. ton of fan questions and some exciting news. Yes. So the first thing we have is some really exciting news. Uh, we won an award. We're award-winning. We are now the award-winning screening in Kingston. That's right. We are the award-winning Screening at Kingston. <laughs> you love we, us. We, you really love us. We won an award for Best New Podcast. Um, the CFRC Radio Club got together for their annual general meeting um, about a week ago, and we won um, Best New Podcast. Also, were we the only one in the category? No, though? no. It's every it's every podcast. So <laughs> okay. no, there's actually quite a quite a few okay. new podcasts. Um, I think about twenty or so in Good. there. So no, we were we were up against it and we won. Okay. Um, so ne- from this point forward, we will now refer to ourselves as the award winning screen yeah. in Kingston. Um, but one of the I think one of the reasons why we got that was because of our great fans. It's true. You know, you listen and you engage and you. You make our show better. Sometimes your questions relate like really well to what happened the week previous. Sometimes they have nothing to do with anything. And both are good. And we read both. <laughs> but we won two awards, didn't we? Yeah, so we also won another podcast award um, as well um, through the Canadian Radio Exchange. Can I put this on my resume? Uh, no. 
<laughs> I mean, you could. <laughs> I just I don't know what that would what that would get I'm you. I'm an award winner. Uh, we've we've no, the award winning screening at Kingston here again so so great um yes we have a lot of fan questions that we're going to get into right now and then we're going to talk about rocket man the elton john biopic musical um and we'll see what else we have time for this is going to be a elton john episode i'm so excited but our fan questions are all over the place so we're going to start um with those so first question comes from amar devia i'm sorry if i didn't get that i would say amara 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 devia I think that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hi, Mike and Taylor. Really loving this show. I do have a lot of concerns about the Robert Pattinson casting as Batman. Yeah, you and everybody else. Uh, But it seems... Except for me. Except for me. I'm happy. And I'm okay. But it seems he surprised Mike in high life. Do you both have a time when you saw an actor in a role you didn't think would work, but then it surprised you? Thanks again for a great show. Yeah, I think that um, for me, Robert Pattinson, the reason why I'm, I'm... skeptical but still optimistic is because of high life and mm-hmm. he didn't surprise me in that but yeah do you have an actor that you didn't think was going to work in something and then they surprised you i'm trying to think um typically i just stay away from movies with actors that i don't like so i don't give them the chance to wow me <laughs> wow okay i'm like oh kira knightley <laughs> skipping that one um so give me a minute. Do you do you have one where you think, wow, they did an amazing? Um, I think I was, I was pretty skeptical of um, actually another another Batman um, of seeing uh, Ben Affleck play Batman. Right. Even though I I kind of understood where where that casting choice came from, I was pretty skeptical about that. And I was even though the movies that he were in are terrible, he he's very good mm-hmm. as Batman. So I think he's he surprised me in that um other than that i don't know if there's necessarily oh aaron eckhart um in a couple different movies i thought he he's done very well i really liked him in in the the uh, the dark knight um and uh, paycheck which is a really terrible like late 90s early 2000s action movie with Again, Ben Affleck actually is in that, and Aaron Eckhart's in it, um, and he he su- has surprised me a couple times with some some playing really interesting roles. So uh, yeah, I think those someone who I never really expect a lot out of, but has surprised me a few times. I think normally it's like, oh, that was weird casting, and then I'm like, yep, that was weird casting, not good. <laughs> oh yeah, you're never not in that position. I'm, yeah, where you're I'm never like happily surprised yeah. by like interesting yeah. acting choices. <laughs> So maybe, you know, maybe I'll be wowed in the future by Kira Knightley. Yeah, and I'm trying. I don't think there's been anything recently. Um, you know what was good, interesting casting? Charlie Hunnam in Crimson Peak, and he did a really great job. Yes. Yep. But I like Charlie Hunnam, so, like, I wasn't hoping he would fail or anything. Mm-hmm. But he was surprisingly good, considering that up until that point, we'd only seen him as an outlaw motorcyclist. And he was very good in um, Lost World of Z. Z. Yeah, he was. Um, so He was quite good in that as well so sometimes it's like when you see an actor that's typecasted yeah or someone you haven't seen a lot out of even though you like them you don't know if they can do other things yeah and then you're you're pleasantly that was like me with peaky blinders the lead in peaky blinders i'd only ever seen him that's cillian murphy he has like a very interesting face yeah yeah, yeah. um i don't i didn't have much exposure to him but he's Phenomenal. He's in like every Christopher Nolan movie in some role. Like, yeah, he, like he always a, gets a role. Because I've, see, I've seen him in, um, well, he plays a bad guy in 
bat in the Batman. In right? the first bat in Batman Begins, and then he's in he's the tar- main target in Inception. Yeah, and I've seen so yeah. yeah. So that was kind of my only exposure to him, and he's phenomenal in mm-hmm. Peaky I think he's so, a great actor. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Um, next question comes from Tiffany, who asks, "Hey, I hear your show won an award. What was it for?" With four question marks. Tiffany, you heard at the beginning of the top of the hour, we won two awards. Yes. How did Tiffany hear about it before I did? That's a good question. <laughs> Maybe she's on staff. Maybe, uh, I don't know. Maybe she just has inside information. Did you leak this? I've leaked it. I've told people, and I've been talking about it. But, I mean, I also found out today. Okay. So but but it's also, they were decided a week ago. Okay, maybe so. Tiffany has some sort of insider. Tiffany has inside information. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, podcast awards, Tiffany. That's what we won. See, I take this question as, what like what did you do to deserve this award? Like, where, like know. the other question we got, where like where do you get yeah, off? Yeah, that's how We're I take this question. Engaging personalities. Yeah, I think we won it for being excellent. I think we deserve. I think we deserve all of the awards even the ones that aren't for podcasts i wouldn't go that far that's a, that's a bit much you're kind of proving <laughs> tiffany's point here i think by saying that i think that like i think for me you know i think we won it because we have great fan interaction and we we have a lot of fun here and and i'd you know. say it's interesting yeah people cool. love movies yeah so there you go that's that's what it was for and and the way i like to answer what it was for so there you go thank you tiffany for that question thanks uh nicole hi taylor and mike this is your friend, Nicole. Yeah. When you watch a biopic, do you prefer the film to focus on a small portion of the subject's life, or do you prefer seeing the subject's life as a whole? Personally, <laughs> okay, I just, I have to say, her movies, the how she goes into movies is the exact opposite. <laughs> of she's the way very I, intellectual I about, about yeah. her movie going, but it's because she, she's an actress, I think. So she looks at movies as like a craft yeah and i get that but i don't know anyway well i'm just gonna read this (laughs) and then i'll comment i personally prefer when the film focuses on a small part of the subject's life because i find when the film tries to tackle a huge timeline in such a small amount of time the emphasis becomes on the things that happen to the person as opposed to the person who had all these things happen to them and the subject gets lost in the events i couldn't agree with more of that actually i hope that makes sense but i'd love to know what you both think have a great week and then she continues I believe she's yelling this. Yep, that's Nicole. it's all in capitals, but I won't yell. But it says, Mike, regarding the last 30 seconds of of you apologizing on behalf of dudes, thank you. That is all a peace sign and what I believe is some sort of a Band-Aid. Maybe the emoji just didn't translate. Yeah, it looks like a Band-Aid to me. It's like a flesh-colored square. square. I don't know what that's supposed to be. Um, So first of all, I couldn't agree more with Nicole. I think that they should focus on one aspect as opposed to a bunch of information. However, I do understand sometimes when they give a big full scope. Sometimes it's hard to frame a movie when you're only looking at one small part of their life. I agree with that. Like, it needs kind of... Bookends, to me, it depends what the movie's about. Like, yeah. what's the point of the movie? What, like that—that's the whole thing. What is the point of Bohemian Rhapsody? Like I that, don't know. exactly, because people are gonna love Queen either way. I thought and that's it was. It. There's gonna, no point. I thought it was answer. gonna be like um, the making of their album. Yeah, which and that would have been, been more interesting. Way more interesting than what it was. But no, that movie was about you like this thing. We're gonna give you this thing, so we make a lot of money. That's what it was about. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think Nicole's right. If you're looking at it as an artist. If I was a filmmaker making a film, I would think, okay, what's the point of this film? Then I would focus on the yeah. aspect to prove the point. If a larger scope proves that proves that point, then great. But for Bohemian Rhapsody, and to some extent, 
Rocket Man, and I think a lot of music biopics, it's not about that. It's about money. You, I think we're Rocket giving you a Man thing, and you're going to give us money. Was like a biopic. I don't think it was about money. I think it was. I think, I think maybe, Rocket Man is way more truthful than Bohemian Rhapsody yeah. is. Yes, I would agree with that. And I think, I mean, I hated Young Elton, like that little kid who played him. <laughs> like the, the first, the, first the one. little, the little, little yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was horrible. But yeah, when they showed pictures of Young Elton, and it was the same kid, yeah, <laughs> scary. The resemblance was uncanny. But that kid was so yeah. annoying. Yeah. But anyway, so could I have done without Young Elton? Yes. Yeah. But I think. It's like one of those things where I was like, the movie for me, the uh, Rocket Man, got really interesting once he was kind of Taron Egerton. Egerton. Um, But I don't know how they would have framed the movie without Young Elton. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think they could have axed that thing those things completely because uh, yeah, it was part I guess so. of his formation yeah. he's this you know yeah. this like genius yeah. musician so anyways and i do think that like the problem i point out doesn't exist as much in rocket man like i just think bohemian rhapsody's purpose for existence was to sell movie tickets yeah which i don't think is a good enough reason to do a film yeah i think there should be a reason it should have been it. more focused that's whether yeah, exactly. it be on a specific album or you know freddie mercury coming out or or, or to, whatever but even that which like okay so freddie mercury coming out is a big story but at least that's one focus point yeah which i think is enough you can you can have mm. expansions within a point but so long i think you still have to you have to have a reason why this thing exists i do think rock man has more of a reason but I don't think Bohemian Rhapsody has a reason to exist. I just think it's it's sell tickets. People love Queen. And so it was so unfocused, it. and we yeah. didn't need all of and that. all over the place. And yeah. that that's why I think some movies come off as as you know. Sometimes it's just fun, but sometimes they're stale and boring and awful, like the Transformers movies. There's no, they don't have a reason for those to exist, but they're going to make a billion dollars. So why wouldn't you make them? I mean, right. it makes sense. Yeah. So there so, you go. It, it, the answer is it depends. What were the last thirty <laughs> seconds of my apologizing? On I air? think that headline was about how all these guys are mad at captain marvel for like fighting against her um, is, is it weird i don't remember this so like captain marvel has that run-in with the motorcyclist who's yes. cat calling her yeah well men on the internet are mad and calling uh -huh. captain marvel a villain for like asserting her rights as that's a the woman. dumbest thing i've ever heard and you were just like Oh, men are horrible. I'm sorry. That cool. shouldn't be the case. I blah, don't blah, remember blah. doing this, but great. <laughs> you were blacked out in I rage. Out in rage. <laughs> that is a dumb thing. Wow. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Um, so, yeah, thank you again for that question. Moving on to Erica. This is so iconic. I want it framed on um, my wall. This is the response to Taylor's question to Erica last week. Yeah. What would my reference be if she gave me a job interview reference? Here we go. Oh, Taylor, I suppose if I was your reference, I would simply have to say, you seem nice, but I don't really understand your tastes. It makes me happy to know you have a boyfriend, though, so don't think it doesn't. But I mean, who knew? Mike doesn't ever talk about himself. <laughs> we don't know if he has a girlfriend or not. I would say, Taylor, that you are kind of a bumble. You're just a bumble person. Not to be confused with bubbly, just a bumblebee. And that just isn't my speed. But I'm glad you found someone. But I hope you get your job. <laughs> Who would replace you on the show? Mike, do you prefer Mike or Michael? So there's so much to unpack here <laughs> that I want to start with the easiest thing. I want to start with the easiest thing. The reason why you don't hear me talk about myself on the show is that it was just a choice I made from the beginning. Mm -hmm. I just don't 
do and the, uh, you do but it yeah. doesn't matter like there's no i'm not saying one is right or wrong that's just the choice i made there's lots of people who write into this show or comment who i know i just don't point out that i know them right and i just keep the flow of the show going and whatever and i just i've i don't know i ran a theater company for 10 years where a lot of people knew my business so i'm okay to, to have a little bit of you like mystery. your privacy yeah I, i'd like to have a little bit of privacy for once in my life so that's why you don't hear me talk about myself so that was the easiest one where else shall we go from here i mean well she doesn't just <laughs> I don't get the comparison like, oh, Mike doesn't talk about his life, so we don't know if he has a girlfriend, but good for Taylor for having a boyfriend. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand what I that comparison means. I don't know what it is about me that makes Erica think that, like, my boyfriend's doing a service to me by dating me. <laughs> like, poor Dan funny. with the schlubby yeah. bumble yeah. person. Poor Dan. <laughs> We should have a segment at the end of the show called Poor Dan. Poor Dan just rant for having to put up with me, I guess. I don't know. So, um, also, if you brought up me having a boyfriend and a job reference, they probably wouldn't It's kind of me. a weird thing to bring up. As like, I didn't even know she had a boyfriend, but I've got but she found does, someone. So that, that must be good for her character. Therefore, she, she'd do a great work at this job. Yeah, And I did get the job, so thank you, Erica. But to be clear... This job does not interfere with Taylor's ability to do this show. I don't know if we. Yeah, like I'm not. I'm not going to be um, yeah. leaving. leaving. No. We're just going to, you know, rearrange something. Yeah, we're but, just going to rearrange our schedule um, a little bit, but it's not even major. Yeah. The show will continue at the same time as normal. Because before I had another job, I had a different job. I yeah, just Taylor hasn't home. been unemployed this whole time, Erica. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> My life's pretty great. I have a boyfriend. I have a job. <laughs> <laughs> I've, never, I've just never heard someone call someone a bumblebee, and I don't really know what that means. Yeah, I don't Is that know. Is an energy thing? I don't know what it means either. Do you collect pollen? <laughs> I, mean, I just wiggle my butt around in the flowers collecting. You, you really hurt people when, when you get near them. Like that's Bumblebees the don't sting. <sighs> Different, Hold you know, on. bees, bumblebees. Whoa. I don't care what science says. Bumblebees sting. <laughs> I have been stung by one. every bee and wasp in existence. They love me. Well, there you they go. They sting me all the time, and bumblebees fly right into my face. <laughs> okay? Bumblebees, just like I'd rather be, even though it's a bumblebee and it's massive, it enters the situation angry. They're always pissed off, and they're always so upset when I'm around. So don't tell me they don't sting. They do something. They bite. They do something. Because they hurt me. Well, I don't fly in your face, and I don't. I'm not pissed off just being in your presence. So. And you don't collect. Uh, and I don't collect pollen. pollen. So, so I guess you're not a bumblebee. <laughs> just a bumble person. And I, I, I prefer Mike. There's really only one person who calls me Michael. Like even my parents call me Mike. Like I've always been Mike. So I don't know. I just don't. But Michael's my name. It doesn't really matter. I feel like yeah. I don't know. I don't. I care. feel like Michael's. It's like you know when you have like kind of you're like birth name and then you're like the the short form of the name i feel like michael is like perfect like very professional mm -hmm. you know what i mean mm -hmm. like it's very formal yeah um also not to be confused because i've had this discussion with somebody not to be confused that a short form is not a nickname let's just throw that out there. i agree with a you. short form of a name is not a nickname all right moving on chris friend of the show is back and asks what race is the genie in Aladdin supposed to be? So we had we had much debate. Well, not really debate. We had a quick discussion about this. He, the the uh, the genie's race is genie. Yeah. Like the like a hobbit is yeah, a hobbit. Exactly. Your 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 
taking a character that is not human and putting human standards on them, and that is the biggest mistake that's always made in Star Trek. That's why I love Star Trek. It addresses this all the time. The genie's race is, it has one race, genie. That's it. There is, like, there is no race associated with the genie other than it's a genie. Yeah. I agree with Same you. with, well, technically, technically, same with gender, though the movie... Makes him a man. Kind of. <laughs> Cer- well, certainly but in some capacities. Be... I think he becomes... Because in the movie, in the Aladdin remake, he doesn't just become free at the end like he does in the original movie. He becomes a human. Right. So I think that's, that's where maybe some of the confusion But I feel in. like genies do have gender because I Dream a Genie from the 60s was a lady. Yeah. So maybe gender, but not race, race. though. Or the race is genie. Because they can turn into anything they want. They make themselves appear the way they want. They're like a... They're not human. Yeah. They're their own. Yeah, and it's just played by human actors, so therefore you would, I guess, associate that race with them. Like, like Will Smith is a black actor, so you would associate that, but Robin Williams was white. And I originally said Persian only because the story takes place mm-hmm. in, like, old Persia. Yeah. But when you, like when we went into it it's like again you wouldn't say like a hobbit hobbit is caucasian yeah no it's a hobbit or an orc is an orc or even an elf for that like an elf is yeah that's a race yeah so yeah so i would say genie's a genie so there you go chris genie is a genie (laughs) uh christina asks hi mike and taylor really loved white crow mainly because i have a keen interest in dance films do either of you have any other favorite films about dance or that feature it in some way I have to say, I really enjoy Black Swan, and when I'm in a brainless mood, the first Step Up movie still makes me smile. Thanks for the fun show. I actually didn't like Black Swan. I don't think Step Up, you have to say you're in a brainless mood. It's I just think, like a fun yeah, movie. Like I, think, I think the sequels to some of these movies ruin the original for a lot of people, but I feel the same way about Step Up as I do about the first um, cheerleader movie. Bring it on. Bring it on. I agree with And you. Even, even the first Saw movie, where the originals were good for what they were, but then the sequels just kind of took it in the wrong direction and, made it, and was made for less money and was like, whatever. I have to say, yeah, you... <laughs> Kind of by saying, oh, when you're in a brainless mood, it's almost like saying this is like a guilty pleasure movie yeah. or like, you know, yeah. I'm a zoning out. I think you, we don't need to be shamed by like watching no, like fluff, quote unquote, fluff movies. There's a saying I like, and I, I try to like, I try to do this much. You should never yuck someone's yum. And you should <laughs> never say that just because somebody likes something that they're brainless or whatever. Yeah. Like Step Up has its merits as a movie. I I personally liked Step Up, like the first one. Yeah. The other ones I didn't because I do think it, it basically just got worse from there. Yeah. Um, but I think the original concept and idea of that, same, same like Bring It On. I think Bring It On is a good movie on its own. Mm-hmm. The subsequent sequels get a little <laughs> nuts for me. But I think as, as films, first those one's first great. ones are great. Yeah. Um, I would say good dance movies would be Center Stage, which is like that is kind of a yuck slash yum movie. It's not, you know, it's not award winning by any Mm. means, but young ballerinas at a dance academy. That one's a lot of fun. I like Suspiria if you want like a horror dance movie that's set in a ballet academy in Germany. Um, If you're looking for like a classic dance movie, The Red Shoes from like the 40s um it features of like a i'm not i don't know a lot about dance but the lead in the red shoes i'm pretty sure the movie is called the red shoes um the lead was about like a a ballerina like a very high profile ballerina in the 40s she said she didn't want to get do the movie and then she was convinced to do it so that's a that's a good dance movie too but 
that those would be like my top three i think yeah i'm not as save as, the last dance yeah, we talked about save the yeah last like dance. save the last dance was good and i'm not yeah i'm not as up to date on on dance films um but i have seen a couple that i've liked um and i think one that isn't necessarily about dance but has dance as a major element to it is um silver linings playbook Oh, the dance competition. Because there's a dance competition, and Bradley Cooper and um, Jennifer Lawrence's characters really prep for it in kind of the second half of that movie. So dance is kind of used as a way to take two really unstable personalities and kind of give them some focus, which I think is interesting. And I do think that even though there's a lot of comedy and strangeness to it, but I do think there's... And you see the dance dance competition. Yeah, Yeah, you do. Yeah. And again, you see all their prep and work for it, so kind of works for that um but otherwise yeah i i don't know if i off the top of my head can name other dance films other than ones that you named yeah. um but yeah there's a, yeah. apparently dirty dancing's good i don't think i've ever seen that though which one dirty dancing oh i didn't even think of dirty dancing yeah. great movie <laughs> if i've seen it it was a long time ago like i don't remember yeah. yeah yeah um next question comes from lily hi taylor and mike I also find it interesting how everyone switches our names all the time. Like we sometimes get Mike Taylor, 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 Mike. I guess it's whatever feels natural to the listener. To the listener. Um, I first of all want to agree with Mike that I thought Will Smith did a great job in Aladdin. However, I was not. I wasn't as sold on Naomi Scott as he was. That was Jasmine. That was Jasmine. Yeah. I was wondering how you two pick who does each film you review. Sometimes it seems like the films you see kind of fit who you are lol but sometimes not at all how do you decide who goes to see what and if you see the same film so we typically what we would do is at the end of recording on tuesday tuesdays are when the list of new releases come out at the screening room we'll see what's coming out for the upcoming weekend and we'll kind of depending on how many movies are being released we'll say which movie do you Mm want to see which movie whatever um, if there isn't a lot of movies coming out or if there's overlap, we'll see the same movie. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of the. Yeah. Like, you know, this is a good example of, you know, we we looked at Rocketman opening and wanted to do something special. So we decided to do that. But we just, you know, before the show started, we just looked and decided what movies at the screening room yeah. we want to see this weekend. So, you know, next week's show is going to have multiple films. This one's going to have one. It really just depends what's opening, what we what's feel opening, like. What our interests are. Like sometimes yeah. we do end up seeing movies that aren't our type because yeah. that's just the way that the movies have come out that week. I think she's implying that maybe Aladdin's not a Mike movie, which is actually not the case. I lo- yeah, I, if that's it, yeah, I loved Aladdin as a kid. It was it was definitely Mike my... wanted to he made a special point of seeing Aladdin. Yeah, <laughs> it, that wasn't even part of our original plan and I decided after. Cuz that had come out that week. Yeah, that I wanted to see Aladdin. Yeah, Aladdin was I mean I remember pretending to be Aladdin. When I, when I was a kid. And so there was something trend. We didn't talk about this last week, actually, because two weeks ago, there was something trending on Twitter where everyone was saying, like, what was your first cartoon crush? Yeah. Like, it was just a fun thing going well. And mine was Princess Jasmine. So it was I've... sort of the same thing. Like, that movie was such a big part of Formative. my child. Yeah, my childhood. Um, so, yeah, I was really excited to see it. Um, but I guess maybe surfacely, it looks like the type of movie I wouldn't go see. Yeah, like, we don't talk about Disney a lot on no, the show, no. so... Because I guess you and I aren't the hugest Disney fans no. anyway. I, I go see them sometimes, but, you know. We don't really much. seek them out no, necessarily. No, no, um, So there you go. Uh, Susan has our last question. If you both had to cast the other person's biopic, who would have you play your co-host, Taylor? Who would you have play Mike? And Mike, who would you have play Taylor? So this is a fun question. This is a lot We've of fun. We've already had a lot of fun with this <laughs> off air. Um, so 
Mike like flagged me down into his office, told me the question, and I'm, as our listeners know, not great with names or faces. Yeah, so she she goes, okay, okay. So she walks away, comes back maybe two minutes later and goes, Matt Dillon, and then walks away. And I share an office with someone who turns and he's like, Matt Dillon? <laughs> like, I know. Because we had Googled the image. Because we Googled like, it. No. And we were, both him and I were like, no, 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 no. That's, there's no way so that she means Matt Dillon. I came back and I'm like, not Matt Dillon. Matt Damon. Matt Damon is who you mean. I didn't mean Matt Dillon. At all. So and your your Matt pick Damon. your pick to play me now, but you have you have a bunch of different ones, yeah. I, and I want you to explain this. To I had to I actually consult, like the way you were doing yeah, this. I had to consult a list of actors under fifty because it's hard to just kind of conjure up. Yeah, and I think that that's kind of the way I approach it too. Is like looking at actors of a certain age group, yeah. looking at their first their look. Do they look mm-hmm. anything like you? And second, what I like what you did. Yeah, you started looking at. What type of movie is this? Yeah. Because you were saying, you know, Matt Damon could fit in a couple different things, but you also came up with other ones if it was a comedy, if yeah. it was dr- drama, if it was going for awards. I should also note this is hard because Mike's in his early 30s, and there's very few act- male actors yeah. currently in their early 30s. Which is funny because that's something we just discovered today. Is a, <laughs> there's, a lot of, there's a lot of female actors in their early 30s, yeah. but there are not a lot of male actors that are much older. So I chose um, Leonardo DiCaprio if we were going for like the Oscar bait. Yeah, so this is an serious, Oscar bait dramatic. serious movie about me. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Jonah yeah. Hill if it's a comedy, but skinny Jonah <laughs> skinny, Hill. Yeah, she prefaced that too. First you said, thing I first said thing was, was that skinny, skinny Jonah, Jonah Hill. Hill. Um, and he's actually proving to be a very good, even serious actor. I feel like Jonah Hill could be for both, like if yeah. it was serious or Like a comedy. dramedy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then my next pick, well, like the main pick is Matt Damon. And that's because I can really see Matt Damon playing squash. Yes, and you play a lot of key. squash. That was the key is who can play squash? Matt Damon. And the, then you found a picture you were pretty excited yeah, about. Yeah, and the post. picture is really spot on. I also thought if we were going for, you know, like the glorifying, like, it, you know, making you really hunky, it would be Chris Pine. Mm-hmm. But I can't picture Chris Pine playing squash and which is why i vetoed i i agree with that i just don't see that working whereas like i can see matt damon he's as like, like an every man yeah he's going to the he's going to play squash four times a week yep right and like that's what he does yep. and then the picture we found was like we looked matt damon with beard because that was ours and that guy has not had a lot of beards i don't in, think in he roles. can grow yeah that's well. what we're, so we found one and taylor was pretty excited about it we'll so we're, it gonna, we're gonna put it on social media so people can see it um okay so for you taylor i'm nervous so i I cho- I'm very excited about this. So um, her name is Florence Pugh, and she was recently in Fighting with My Family, but also did Lady Macbeth and a bunch of other films. So this is yeah, your Oh, she's pictures. very pretty. Um, th- now, <laughs> one of the reasons was, so she, she's very short. I'm like sure. Um, and she, Fighting with My Family is like a com- comedy dramedy type right. of mix. But the way she's been able to, you, no matter what happens in your life, you have this like kind of f- hilarious way of looking at it. <laughs> yeah. So I really think she can bring that in. And then I found a picture for you that I thought oh you'd really gosh. like. Because I also decided not never seeing your boyfriend, but I thought I'd cast him. <laughs> so here's a picture of Florence Pugh holding hands with Alexander Skarsgård. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got Perfect. so there she is holding hands with Alexander yep. Skargard. I would be look I would be making that. And and he's about twice the the height of her, which is I think how it would be for you and Alexander Skarsgard. And pretty much I've decided this picture, which I will post on social media, because I know we're on radio and people can't see it. But I will post on social media. Here here's who would play you with your I love it. with the man of your dreams. Well, Dan's 
five nine, a redhead, and a huge beard. So not quite Alexander Skarsgård, but I'll take it. But she's been in a ton of films. Like she's done a bunch of different things. She's going to be the new oh, Black Widow in movie. The, yeah, Lady, Lady Macbeth, because she kind of has a rounder face in that one. Yeah, she's and she, pretty. She's um, what's that? She's going to be in the Black Widow movie with um Scarlett Johansson, like the the. We have a similar thing. nose. I wonder if she has Slavic. I don't know. Roots. Anyways, good there pick. Go. I know that's and I and I think she can do. I got all very excited with the Alexander Skarsgård. Yeah, this picture. This, I will post this picture, um, and then yeah, I'll be thinking my casting now. I've heard a description of Dan. I don't um, even know any redheaded. Uh, the guy who plays um, what's his name in Game of Thrones would be perfect. The guy, he's a wildling guy. Um, <laughs> oh, like that Tom. Yeah, oh, it. Um, I can't remember his name. He likes Brienne. Tommond? Isn't that his name? I think that's Tommond. No, no, that's... Oh. No, no, that's Tommond is the, the kid. Oh. Yeah, he, the, the guy who likes Brienne, who's uh, who's obsessed with her and is real good friends with Jon Snow. That works. He he would play right now off the top of my head in his first <laughs> redhead that I could think of. Um, but Great. Yeah, there you go. So there's Wonderful. our there's our casting. That fun. was a lot of fun. We will post these things on social mm-hmm. media, though, so people can uh, can check it out. So thank you again for your to, for the fan questions. I just lost my window here. Um, thank you to Susan, Lily, Christina, Chris, Erica, Nicole, Tiffany, and Amara. Amara. Okay, Amara. Sorry, I keep getting that wrong. Um, for Which is saying, a very pretty name. Yeah, I hope name. we're I hope we're saying it right. I hope so too. But, but you, Amara, write in. Tell us if we're not, and we'll correct it yeah, next write week. Write it phonetically. We absolutely, for yeah, us. we would absolutely do that. Um, thank you to all of you for writing in. If you'd like to ever contribute to Screening in Kingston, just email us at screeninginkingston at gmail.com or find us on social media. We have Facebook, we have Twitter and Instagram, and I will post those pictures of us uh, casting our biopics so people can see. Um, but or look up. Well, you know what Matt Damon looks like. Um, but definitely look up uh, Florence well, Pugh. We'll, she's she's an up-and-coming actor. We're going to post the picture of Matt Damon that actually looks like you're gonna Yeah, you're going to find the, the, <laughs> the picture of Matt Damon that Taylor thinks looks like me and the picture of uh, Florence Pugh with Alexander Skarsgård. My boyfriend. <laughs> Your boyfriend. So there you go. Um, okay, so now without further ado, half over halfway through the show <laughs> because of all those fan questions, let's talk about Rocket Man. Um, and then we'll get into you came up with a bit of a list of kind of just facts, facts about, about Elton, Elton John in the movies. So we'll get to that kind of at the end and we'll do the review first. So what did you think of Rocket Man? I loved it. I thought there were a couple um scenes that were a little bit like a little hokey. Like I felt I don't Elton John was responsible for producing the film, but I don't know how much creative control he had over the film, but I really felt like he was exercising some demons, like, on screen, largely about his family and, like, mm-hmm. his upbringing. Mm-hmm. Oh, and absolutely. There in one scene in particular I can think of. the When he's in... Like near, near the yeah, end near the, and the he's people coming. Not in. to yeah. give much away, but he's essentially in group therapy. Um, well, it's the framing device of the movie, so I feel like you can say that. So the framing device of the movie is Elton John going to rehab, which I thought was a very good... I thought it was that very was a good. good. Yeah, that was a good way to do it. It was a good call. Yeah. Um, you know, they didn't really hold anything back. Like, you really saw, like, the best and worst of 100%. Elton John. Um, so anyways, there's this one scene in particular. It's kind of the only scene that I had, like troubles with i felt it was like a little corny yeah it was, and that yeah. wasn't like the tone of the rest of the movie i don't know maybe you disagree no, maybe I, you thought I it actually, was corny no i 100 percent agree with you actually um i mean i had some other i 
clearly like the movie less than you from what you're saying already. Yeah. But I, what I will say is, is I felt that scene was at a place and was a little corny In from the way they did tone. everything else. Yeah, I think the tone really took a weird, sharp shift at that point. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like, I, it's hard to end a movie. It's hard to end a musical. So they were trying to come, like, kind of full circle. I just think it was a little clumsy how they did it. Um, I would say that if Bohemian Rhapsody won all those awards, which I don't think Bohemian Rhapsody deserved those awards, then if Rocketman does not get the same awards, then they're going to be robbed. Because I think Rocketman is a better movie stylistically in terms of storytelling, visually, acting. Oh, my gosh. Taron did such... Yeah, he's, he was amazing. He Taron was, was amazing as this. Phenomenal. Yeah, he was amazing as Elton John. I just think that, like, I agree with you on a on a surface level. It's right. just it came out at the wrong time of year. It really did. And even Dan said, who's not like really into a movies, summer movie. Dan was like, "Are they even going to be up for awards?" Probably and I'm not. like, "No." <laughs> they, they might get one or two, but for the most part, you do it'll be not, forgotten. Yeah, by, it'll be forgotten by the time that by no, December December comes around. And like, this movie should have opened in November or December. Yeah. I I don't understand should have been why a they would do this movie. Um, because it is a far superior movie than Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh my gosh, um, leaps and bounds. But that's not what's going to happen. Yeah. Which is which is uh, which is unfair, especially I will especially say if Rami Malek deserves a nomination and a win for Best Actor for playing Freddie Mercury, Taron Egerton deserves it in the same way for playing Ellen John because he was he was amazing. He he elevated this movie for me. It was like the new want, like even the way he moved his face, like he would cock an eyebrow, you know, the way he kind of like would move his shoulders, mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh. And I'm pretty sure Elton John like handpicked him to star in the movie he did. anyways. Yeah, and he did. Elton John did a good job. Yeah, Elton John <laughs> cast himself. Yeah. And, and got it perfectly. Yeah, he was like, <laughs> Cause, this cause kid ha has got it. That's the thing. We just cast each other, but I feel like if we had to cast ourselves, I felt like I don't think I'd get it right. I think I it'd be really we, tough. We. I think most people see themselves in a way that isn't necessarily yeah. like an accurate. Yeah. So it shows that Elton John has a really good self of sense of self mm -hmm. that he was able to pick someone who was going to be able to get the good, the bad, yeah. the ugly. Elton John should have a consider a career in casting in Hollywood <laughs> because also he picked a stunningly good actor who hasn't done much. Mm -hmm. Like he's done some things and, and I really loved him from the Kingsman movies. I thought he was fantastic, yeah. but he hasn't done much. Eddie the Eagle is like the only Eddie other the Eagle, yeah, yeah. thing aside from the Kingsman movie. Yeah. And he did sing in Sing. Oh, the, the car, the, the children's movie. Yes, yeah, that, yes, someone told but me. But that kind of went under yeah. the, yeah. it's a good movie, but it kind of went under the radar, I think. And I'm pretty sure he sings an Elton John song in Sing. So maybe that oh, was. Maybe that's what it was, yeah. Um, yeah, I just thought the acting was absolutely phenomenal. I think the way, so it's, is it a biopic? Is it a musical? It's kind of, it reminded me the way they used the songs was similar in Across the Universe. Yes. Where, like, they've used something happens and the song fits what's happening on screen. Yes. So don't expect the songs to come out chronologically. Like, they no. weren't, they didn't pick the song because they wrote the song. It was like they picked the song because it fit the mood of the scene and what was happening. Yeah. And I thought that was pretty effective. Like, I. Yeah, it's, it was a little more in line with a true traditional musical in mm -hmm. terms of how the song placement is and, and why the songs yeah. exist. Yeah. Yeah. And there's one, um, the rocket man sequence in mm -hmm. particular, I thought was just mm -hmm. mind blowing. Like that was very, very good. But, um, 
Yeah, I don't. I have really good. I know it's getting good critical reviews, mm. but I think I know I get most of my movie coverage from the AV Club, and they actually aren't as enthusiastic um, about the movie as the as most people are. And I think it's because their review was that it shines most when it's remembers it's a musical was their review of the mm, movie interesting if you know because the yeah. drama aspects maybe it's yes. not yeah the drama scenes aren't as good as the musical numbers yeah i get what i kind of get what they mean i just disagree wholeheartedly in that i just <laughs> this is the thing you I, liked it better when it was a drama and not a musical kind of like i and that's the, i've seen some great musicals on films don't get me wrong it's not like i have a bias against it it's just it could be done wrong so easily i I liked Rocket Man. I just should have loved it and didn't. There's nothing. When I watch that movie on paper, it has everything that I should love in a movie. The plot's great. The side characters are great. The acting's excellent all around. Beautiful costumes. Great costumes. The scenery is great. It's just something about setting up that world that I wasn't a fan of from the beginning. Like, I, I didn't, I thought it was a sloppy beginning. I didn't really, I also kind of, I didn't really like the kid. And I found the, like, the when little, he was the little, little kid, ugh. I found that was awkward and didn't really work for me. It was clear that they cast ca- casted him for looks for and looks, not yeah, talent. Yeah. And <laughs> I just, there's something about the musical numbers I did not like. Um, at times, it was the really fast-paced, kind of hugely energetic and over-the-top choreography that I think works on stage 100%. But when it's a film, you're so the camera's so much closer than an audience is that I just don't think you can do the same style of over dramatized. So whereas things. I loved the Saturday night, I didn't one, like the Saturday. Didn't no, like I didn't like. I liked the use of the transition. I liked how they transitioned his age. When he at that was a point. fourteen year old yes, to like I a liked twenty year old. I liked that aspect of it, but I didn't like. At, like at, at that beginning, I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm gonna like him in this role. I don't know if I'm gonna like this movie. But he really grew on me, right. and a lot of it was. Even when he like when he was performing on stage and when he was acting and when he was doing different things, like I I believed it and it really drew on me. But there's something about the musical numbers that felt, I don't know, like almost a too great of a tone shift for me to really get it. Like right. I felt like here we are. It would have made sense if here we are in the real world at the the rehab meeting, uh-huh. and then when we flash back. It's over-dramatized and it's a musical. But in the flashbacks, you saw both. You saw realistic things and then over-dramatic musicalization in the musical numbers. Right. Whereas I had always preferred things like Hairspray is a good musical movie in my sense because it's, it sets up from the beginning, here's what the world is, and these are the rules that exist in the world, and this is when people break out into song, and otherwise it's still over the top. Chicago is realism until you shift into a musical number and then it's on stage. This movie, I feel like just kind of tone-wise, I couldn't get a huge handle on what was going on. I felt it flopped a little bit for me. Yes, at the end it did it as well where it was a complete tonal shift. But I just, for, there's something about, also about the musical numbers that I didn't really like and didn't work I for I guess me. I just have different expectations for a musical. Sure, yeah. Like I don't, to me, like I don't like think you know you think that a musical needs to follow rules or at least like or at least establish rules at the beginning Uh, that to me doesn't matter i think all things in film theater any art should establish a world at the beginning right and then in order to be real and true and to be significant in some way 
and to be concrete, the rules shouldn't be broken. Mm -hmm. That would be like, like we have a rule right now. It is impossible for you to get up out of your seat and fly around the room. Like that would, that would break the reality. And I would think I'm I'm in a dream or something. So for me, that's what I was more looking for is this, this movie to establish rules and some sort of construct that can be different than any other movie. It doesn't have to be the same. Not everything has to be the same, but something that, that makes somewhat of right. sense or you can wrap your brain around. It's like that. Did you ever hear that movie, Mortal Engines? No. Okay, well, Mortal, the cities on the... Cities on, on wheels, right? Yeah. Ridiculous, right? However, if you establish from the beginning what that rule is, we'll believe it because that's the willing suspension of disbelief. You establish the rule of the world, you enter that world, and anyone who can go see a piece of entertainment should be able to detach and just go into it. I just didn't have a hard time believing what was happening on screen. I guess. No, and that's good. No, that's yeah. good. Yeah, like I just, I could for whatever really reason, just, you know, I just, I was really immersed mm-hmm. in the world that they were building. I mean, Elton John's music is so iconic, so wonderful to mm-hmm. hear on in a movie mm-hmm. um i like elton john's music more than queen yeah for sure so me too. like yeah. i could get into the i recognize way more songs yeah. this time around way more <laughs> like hit after hit after hit oh each and every one he I made remember. 31 albums or elton john Ridiculous. has released 31 albums so you're bound to know yeah. oh for sure the music that's yeah. on so yeah. anyways for me it's definitely a see it yes there are some pro there are se- some scenes that just don't quite work the tone it's a little bit weird anytime the little kids on screen you're kind of like i do feel the movie took off in a better way once finally he's taron edgerton like once Uh, he's finally at that point the movie's different speaking about like nicole's question about do you wish the movie would you prefer a biopic to take place at a certain like time like a time frame um i was thinking like when are we gonna see yeah taron you know what i mean i i was definitely more interested in him and his um his writing partner there, um, Barney or Bernie or Bernie, Bernie, Bernie. Um, I was more interested in that relationship and, and the way that was working in that t- time than I was in anything else. That could be an his own movie. Yeah, absolutely. Elton John had a very, or still does, sorry, he's still alive. He's yep. like 71. Mm. He has had a very rich life. Yeah. And, and I, I think it was very interesting. Some of the things they chose to, to jump to, which maybe we didn't necessarily need for context. Like, I feel like they were able to do it otherwise, but, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, for me, I, I just have to give it a stream it because I just, I don't know. I, I liked it, but didn't love it. And right. I think I should have liked it more because even coming out of it, there's still things I'm trying to figure out why I didn't like the movie. Right. And I said this to the people I went with, like I went with a bunch of friends and I said that to them, I'm like, I should like this more. And I don't know why I don't. And I, I don't know. Those are the things that I can just think of. But for me, I, I have to give it a stream it, but you're recommending to see it. So clearly I think see it, it especially because some of the musical numbers, I think will look really beautiful on a yeah. big screen versus for, oh, like your sure. laptop or I your mean, TV. I mean, that Rocket Man sequence was phenomenal. I do have to admit that. Like that when was they, great. Yeah. Oh my, I don't want to give anything away, but. But the transitions of, of him going from one point to another to on stage and everything, like it was, it just worked. It was edited very yeah, well. Yeah. So yeah. anyways. So there you go. So the Rocket better Man, Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> the better Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> Rocket Man uh, gets a see it from Taylor and a stream it from me. Um, I think that again, looking back, I think I was, I gave Bohemian Rhapsody some very good points and i liked it but in a comparison i have to agree with you i think rocket man is a better version of bohemian rhapsody is a little bit of a stronger movie Mm -hmm. even though i again i remember enjoying bohemian rhapsody coming out of it but again i think in a similar way rami malek 
elevated Bohemian Rhapsody for me. Taron Edgerton elevated Rocketman for me, but just in a bigger way. He was amazing. Because I, th- I think he should be he nominated He did all his own singing. Award. If yeah. people don't know this, he did all of his own singing. You should nominate him for an award, absolutely. Oh, my no, gosh. No doubt. Um, okay, so you've got some facts for us, Elton John, in the movies. Yeah, so Elton John um, is a self-confessed movie fan. He mm-hmm. really likes the movies, but he also has, you know, touched movies in a lot of ways that oh, yes, we may yeah. um, not be aware of. And if he's listening to this podcast because he loves movies so much, <laughs> shout out to Elton John. <laughs> well, you know, the Canadian connection, his husband, he may <laughs> yes. well listen to Canadian that's true, content. That's true, his husband's Canadian, so maybe. <laughs> um, so to date, Elton has actually released six original motion picture soundtracks. Mm-hmm. I knew he had re- uh, released a couple, but six is Mm-hmm. pretty impressive considering that this isn't his main gig <laughs> yeah and think about all the he's also for musical theater fans out there i know that he's also composed several musicals lion king ada aida aida billy elliot billy elliot mm-hmm. um so the movies that he's done the motion uh, the soundtracks for this one really threw me through a loop nomeo and juliet <laughs> and its sequel sherlock gnomes Did not know and that. he also produced those films i didn't know he produced them i had no idea <laughs> You know, I haven't seen Sherlock Gnomes, but Nomeo and Juliet's pretty cute. Yeah, I, I saw I, I saw Nomeo cute. and Juliet, yeah. Um, then he's also done The Road to El Dorado. Love that movie. I we used to watch it over and over again as a and kid. He Love also it. narrates it. Yes, he does, yeah. Um he made a movie called or a soundtrack to the film The Muse. The I'm Muse. not actually familiar, I'm not familiar with, with that this one. one. Um, obviously The Lion King. He didn't do this soundtrack with his normal writing partner, Bernie, but it was Tim Rice, Tim Rice did the lyrics. who he also worked on Aida with. And Road to El Dorado. Um, and he also did, in the 60s, um, the soundtrack to Friends, which was a film. In the, it was a British kind of rom-com. Oh, I've never heard um, of that. And that was his first. And he did that before he was, um, him and Bernie did that even before they were famous. Because they, oh, nice. they were working musicians before they yes. did big. You yeah. know, they were on contract. Um, so those are kind of his, you know, motion picture soundtracks. For me, the most iconic Elton John on film is obviously the pinball wizard and Tommy. Mm-hmm. So uh, the who, the band, and it's the director, Ken Russell, asked him to play the pinball champ and these giant <laughs> platform shoes um, for the movie version of the rock opera Tommy. So Tommy was mm-hmm. a concept album mm-hmm. written and released by the who. They made it into a film, which I actually really enjoy. I don't know where you stand on I, it. I like Tommy. It's really good. I, I really enjoy Tina that. Tina Turner is yeah. the acid queen. No, I, I really do enjoy that movie. So Elton originally didn't want to be in the film. Russell was really persistent, and he uh, sang Pinball Wizard, one of the more iconic mm-hmm. songs of the film, and it actually got him a British hit. So it became a, a hit in England. Um, another kind of iconic thing we think of when we think of Elton John and the movies is Almost Famous. Yes. So there's a very, yes. very iconic scene yes. in Cameron, Cameron Crowe's semi-autobiography autobiographical film um if you guys don't know about this movie um essentially cameron crowe uh was a teenage reporter for the rolling stones (laughs) um during the 70s and so the film is about this young teen who's following he's going on tour with a band Mm -hmm. and he's essentially writing for the rolling stones so there's this scene where they're in the tour bus one of the musicians has really, you know, he's really embarrassed himself the night before. He's really embarrassed the band. He's kind of a wreck through the whole movie. Yeah. Um, and the band, it's causing a lot of tensions with the band and all the other band members are kind of pissed off at him. So um, everyone's 
silent, like angrily silent in the the um, bus, and then the bass player starts singing um, a Tiny Dancer because it comes on yeah. the radio, yeah. um, and then everyone in the bus ends up singing it all together and they're all super happy and <laughs> it's just like a really beautiful scene um and it's one of those examples of how um filmmakers can use music really strategically yeah. um in film and it's just hey if you haven't seen almost famous go, go it's see a great it. movie it's almost a, famous is really good um kate hudson yeah when she's pretty young and yeah. one of her kind of earlier films she plays a, a groupie mm-hmm. um and then, uh, and then, kind of my last Elton John facts. He's made um, several cameos in films, but probably his most notable are Spice World. He plays in spells in Spice World. There's a lot of celebrity cameos in Spice World, mm-hmm. and Kings, Kingsman to the Golden Circle. His I cameo seen that. in Kingsman is absolutely hilarious. He essentially is he plays himself again, but he gets kidnapped um, <laughs> by this by this person who's going to take over the world, and he is just hilarious in in the movie and taron edgerton is in that as as the lead role and i read their meeting on set is essentially why rocket man went forward really so or i don't remember who had the conversation but essentially someone approached elton john on set and was saying you know i read the script for rocket man several years ago what's Mm -hmm. happening Mm -hmm. elton john said you know oh People don't want to sign a check for a movie that's kind of darker, a little bit, you know. Yeah, because he he said from the beginning like he did never lived a PG thirteen life, no. so it had to be a darker movie. Yeah, um, and so but the guy was the person he was. Call- I can't remember if it was Taron or a, a director on the film, yeah. but anyway, someone was talking to him, and he said, "You know, Elton, like I hope this movie gets made." And so after they left, the Elton John immediately sent them the script. Yeah, and well, that's it would have how- been the direct. So Matthew Vaughn was a producer on rocket man and he directed um kingsman so that might movies. be the, so that might the be the connection. connection i'm sure it was matthew vaughn saying oh i really hope this happens yeah. and then made that connection yeah there. yeah because his production company is one of the producing companies of so the there movie. you go so, so. Never, you never know what happens and then i guess the only last thing i would have to say about elton john in the movies is of course one of his more iconic songs um candle in the wind mm-hmm. is about marilyn monroe yeah so he is a movie fan some people are kind of they say when I was doing kind of research for this, they are saying it's kind of surprising that Elton John hasn't acted more or, you know, because he's such, he's a, such a stage yeah. presence. Yeah. Like, he's yeah. phenomenal on stage. But um, he, especially later in his career, became very um, image conscience, conscious um, and wouldn't even appear in his own music videos. Yeah. So I don't know yeah. if it was because, you know, he was getting older or whatever. You know, he didn't like how he looked well, on and, film. And from the movie... It, it, again, because he was involved with it, I'll take the movie a little bit more seriously in terms of it actually happening. He, he does go through quite the transformation in it, and he does go through quite the sort of self-realization. So it could be simply that, like to be as less out of the public spotlight as possible, to not put your face out there as yeah. much more, and just to have private. I mean, he even said at the beginning end of the movie, like he wants to take care of his kids more, so he's taking time off to do that. He still writes with his writing partner Bernie, but it is not kind of retired. He's on a, half retired. a three year goodbye tour. Yeah. Yeah. And like that's <laughs> which is end it. in yeah. 2021. Yeah. So, so he kind of wants to take the time away. So it, it, it does make sense. Keep your eyes out. He has played in Kingston multiple times. Mm-hmm. So maybe Kingston mm-hmm. will make it on his goodbye tour. And uh, the end of the film, 28 years sober. 
yeah, after that's everything. Pretty phenomenal. Twenty eight years. It's also phenomenal um, all of his advocacy work he's done for AIDS. Yeah, they kind of go through and like the charity work and the things that he did at the end. They sort of scroll through, like at most biopics, they kind of yeah. tell you what happened next after. Yeah, and it was kind of interesting to read that. But uh, someone who who I was with the movie said like. People can just kind of look that up. I mean, can't they? And like, I, but I think, it, I think it's to kind of cue people as like, look what he's done since but I then. Think look also how he's grown. Because he's involved, I assume as a producer, he was involved with the film. His advocacy work is so important to him. Yeah, he wants that in um, there. Yeah. And the film kind of ends. The film ends with his sobriety, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Um, and his advocacy work doesn't really gear up until like no. ninety two. And I think it's so important to have to. that in there because a lot of people will see these movies and a lot of people who are important will see the movie and he, like you know he could get more attention for the work he's doing yeah. you know who knows what other producers and people could actually see it so it makes sense you'd want to include that at the end yeah great um i do have one i have a couple of headlines we don't have a lot of time so i don't know if we we'll don't have a lot of time but why do... don't you um why don't you give us a couple headlines and we'll just talk about them okay so this one headline i really want to talk about because it is about rocket man okay Russia's film distributor censors gay scenes out of Rocket Man. So, okay, well, won't, we won't do the sound cue. We don't have time. Um, but not a great plan. Not a great plan. <laughs> uh, yeah, I saw somewhere or someone said that there, there's like, I, I was describing it to you. I think it would, the description I read was there's an intense sex scene, sex scene gay in the movie. Sex gay scene. sex scene in the movie. So there, there isn't. Um, the, there's one orgy. But that's not. But no, no, no. Whatever. That was like a, that's a stylization worse, dance, and, and nothing happens. On any given yes. TV show. And then, and then there's a very romantic scene. Yeah, there's a romantic um, love. But scene. like, that's not. I, there was nothing that was that was intense. That's and it not was what intense tastefully is. Tastefully done. Absolutely. So anyway, so um, according to the film's Russian distributor, cuts were made to the blockbuster film to scenes depicting gay sex and men kissing um, in order to comply with a Russian law. And essentially there's a Russian law that like refers to gay propaganda, which bans the so-called promotion of non-traditional sexual relations to minors. So, you know, even if the scenes aren't intense it definitely does depict same sex stuff on scene that does not comply with russian law it's been cut wow. so about five minutes of the movie has been cut it's kind of like when they edited up the gay stuff in china of um uh, bohemian rhapsody and, and it just the movie doesn't make any more sense that's like it doesn't really make because even though it's only five minutes it's kind of an important five minutes for and his like, character a lot of the conflict in the film has to do yeah. with his yeah. sexuality same with bohemian rhapsody yeah. there's conflict around it so that's the thing like i i i'm the person who said when everyone was like oh uh you know Bo, what i can't remember poe dameron from the new star wars movies is the first ever gay character they just haven't said it and i went okay who cares it has nothing to do with the plot of, yeah. of star wars the, there's no conflict that's going to be there because it's in a galaxy far far away and they have different morals these are important things because there's conflict and there's characterization and there's development within these characters and if you're going to get to know elton john the you movie need to is know about that of elton john being able to find love and acceptance despite being gay so or if you be, take you know, those five minutes out of it you have changed the the entire it's context just about our, yeah i don't know it's just i mean it's a stupid law yeah it's, but it's, it's a ridiculous. law right so there you go i think we've run out of time we've run out of time so that's it for every every uh for us this week <laughs> the, the for some reason it's good we're leaving yeah, this for some reason we're the award-winning screen at kingston <laughs> so <laughs> thank you for tuning in and go see some movies